Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and the giraffe next to me is Ellen. I don't really have a long neck, though. Like, at all. But, like, you exude giraffe energy or something. I don't know. I do kind of have giraffe legs. See? There you go. Sure, then. (laughs) Let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week, we covered the second half of Chapter 24, Rita Skeeter's Scoop, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Victor Crumb took a polar plunge for seemingly no reason. Ludo Bagman revealed his favoritism for some Hogwarts champions over others. Rita Skeeter got called out by Harry and Hermione, but it probably only helped to fuel her next garbage byline. Meanwhile, the confrontation emboldened Hermione to drag Hagrid back to class by his ear. Dumbledore backed her up by refusing to let him put in his two-week notice. Harry finally started to feel bad in regards to lying about the egg clue, but not until he had lied to Hagrid. And, as per usual, Ron dealt with awkwardness the way he deals with everything else, by eating. During episode 94, two tea type of talk... Our Potter pondering was, how do you feel about the movie leaving out Rita Skeeter's article about Hagrid and all the aftermath of how it affected him? Uh, This is Quincy, long-time listener, third-time caller. It's funny because them leaving out Rita Skeeter's story doesn't really affect the movie or anything of that nature. It just kind of sucks because... Again, we lose Hagrid's backstory, and it kind of loses the fact of what she's going to be useful for in the upcoming books and movies, too. So it kind of pisses me off in that sense, but I can't really be mad because it doesn't affect the story as a whole. It just affects the side stories. And, you know, it doesn't change the fact that I feel like my Newell is, you know, fucking with my childhood, but that's neither here nor there. Hi, it's Max here. I think the movie has tried really hard to make Hagrid a really funny character, but I think that they wanted to show some more emotional side, which is why they show him getting so upset about Buckbeak in Prisoner of Azkaban. But I think they were trying to sort of reverse that and make him just this funny, lovable character, which is why they probably don't talk about Madame Maxine or anything like that in the movie. So that's what I think. Hello, it is the support badger here. I am calling to leave this voicemail about how I feel about Rita Skeeter's article and how it fucking damaged Rubius Hagrid's life. So here's my take on it. It's very much like somebody outing somebody to their family or the public or whatever when their consent has not been given. Like, fuck you, lady. Um, You don't get to do that. You're trash. Rita Skeeter's trash. Trash, trash, trash. All I have to say, I fucking hate Rita Skeeter. I think she's the worst. Get out. Like, nobody wants you here. That article was also just, like, you're just, like, making up. I mean, some of the things are correct, but also, like, you're just, like, making assumptions about people. And, like, Hagrid's not like that. 
and you didn't take any time. All of Rita's articles have been trash. And specifically when you're harming somebody who's as kind as Hagrid, what you doing? I ain't got time to waste on you. Get out. Get out. Anyways, that's my pot of pondering. Thank you so much to our keepers who called in to share their thoughts. We love hearing your voices and can't wait to hear more. Also, thanks to our keepers that post responses on our Facebook page, too. We love to hear and read what you have to say. Our trivia question last week was, when Harry looks at the Marauder's map, who does he see in Snape's office? Harry is very confused when he looks at the Marauder's map and sees a dot labeled Bartimius Crouch in Severus Snape's office. Congratulations goes to Sammy Adams! Woohoo! She's at four weeks in a row now. The streak keeps building. Will Mike let her catch up to him? Will someone else come in to take the win? We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into Chapter 25, The Egg and the Eye, and the film scenes that correspond with at least part of the chapter. Chapter 25, The Egg and the Eye. Harry isn't sure how long of a bath he will need to take to figure out the egg, so he decides to do it at night to have as much time as he wants. He isn't thrilled about accepting more favors from Cedric, but also decides to use the prefect's bathroom since he's less likely to be disturbed there. Planning carefully, he gets his invisibility cloak, the Marauder's Map, and arranges for Ron to wait outside the portrait hole to give the fat lady the password so Harry can sneak out under the cloak. Thursday night, they put the plan in action, and Ron mutters good luck to Harry as he creeps past him. It's awkward moving under the cloak with the egg under one arm and his nose in the map, but the corridors are empty and he's able to avoid running into anyone. He reaches the statue of Boris the Bewildered, finds the correct door, and mutters, Pine Fresh. The door creaks open and Harry slips inside, locks the door, and removes the invisibility cloak before looking around. His first impression of the candle-filled, chandelier-lit bathroom makes him think it would be worth becoming a prefect just to use it. Everything is white marble, including what looks like an empty rectangular swimming pool lined with about a hundred gold taps set with different colored jewels, a diving board, long white linen curtains on the windows, fluffy white towels, and a single gold-framed moving painting of a blonde mermaid sleeping on a rock. Despite feeling excited to try out all the different taps, Harry feels a little like Cedric might have just been messing with him, unsure of how this is supposed to help him solve the egg. But he grabs a towel and puts it and his cloak, the map, and the egg at the side of the swimming pool-sized bath before kneeling down to turn on a few of the taps. Each one carries a different kind of bubble bath and water unlike any Harry has ever seen, like pink and blue bubbles the size of footballs, thick ice-white foam, and heavily perfumed purple clouds. Once the tub is filled, Harry turns the taps all off and removes his pajamas to get into the water, which is so deep his feet barely touch the bottom and he actually swims a few laps before heading back to the edge to get the egg. No ideas are coming to him, so he opens the egg and again unleashes the screeching wails that echo throughout the marble walls of the bathroom. He quickly closes it back up, worrying the sound might attract Filch, and wondering if that was actually Cedric's goal. Before he can do anything else, he's startled and drops the egg when he hears a voice suggesting he tries putting it in the water. He sputters as he looks up to see Moaning Myrtle sitting cross-legged on one of the taps, 
and exclaims his outrage that she's there since he isn't wearing anything. She insists she closed her eyes when he got in the water and complains that he hasn't been to see her for ages. Harry makes the excuse that he can't go into her bathroom since it's for girls, and when she reminds him that he didn't used to care, he tells the half-truth about being told off for going in there. Myrtle seems to accept this and again advises him to try the egg in the water since that's what Cedric Diggory did. Harry wonders if she was spying on him and the other prefix too, and Myrtle responds with a sly sometimes, though she's never spoken to anyone before. Harry sarcastically says that he's honored, and tells her to close her eyes so he can wrap a towel around his waist and retrieve the egg. Once back in the water, Myrtle peeks through her fingers and tells him to open it underwater. He does, and instead of hearing the screeching, he can hear a gurgling song that he can't fully distinguish. Myrtle tells him to put his head under too, and with a deep breath he slides under the surface of the bubble bath where he hears a chorus of eerie voices singing from the egg. Come seek us where our voices sound, we cannot sing above the ground. And while you're searching, ponder this, we've taken what you'll sorely miss. An hour long you'll have to look, and to recover what we took. But past an hour, the prospect's black, too late it's gone, it won't come back. It takes him several underwater renditions to memorize the egg's song, and when he resurfaces the final time, he begins to talk it over with Myrtle, who cheerfully thinks he's being pretty slow. He mentions that he's got to look for people who can't use their voices above the ground, and thinks that it makes the most sense for that to mean underwater creatures. Myrtle tells him that's what Cedric thought, talking about it to himself for so long all the bubbles had nearly gone. Harry wonders what else is in the lake aside from the giant squid, and Myrtle tells him all sorts, commenting on how she sometimes goes down there, especially if someone flushes her toilet when she isn't expecting it. Trying to not think about Moaning Myrtle zooming through the pipe with toilet contents, he wonders if anything in the lake has a human voice. His eyes then land on the painting of the sleeping mermaid, and he asks if there are merpeople in the lake. Myrtle confirms this and says that it took Diggory much longer than that, even with the mermaid in the painting awake and giggling. Harry excitedly starts to talk about how the task means he has to find the merpeople in the lake, but as he realizes what he's saying, his excitement drains as he starts to worry about not being a strong swimmer and asks Myrtle how he's supposed to breathe. Myrtle finds this to be tactless, since she can't breathe, and breaks down into tears. Harry tries to apologize, saying he forgot, but it just sends Myrtle off on a rant about how easy it is to forget Myrtle is dead. Harry isn't listening to her anymore, though, since he's too busy thinking through the song. He cuts Myrtle off to ask her to close her eyes again so he can get out and get dressed. She asks if he will visit her again, and he responds that he will try, though he doubts he'll ever actually do that unless every other toilet is blocked. He thanks her for her help and puts the invisibility cloak back on. Once back in the corridor, he examines the Marauder's map and sees Filch and Mrs. Norris are safely in their office. At first, Peeves seems to be the only one moving around until Harry starts to make his way back towards Gryffindor Tower and notices something very odd. There is also a dot moving around in the bottom left corner of the map, where Snape's office is, but the dot is not labeled Severus Snape, it's labeled Bartemius Crouch. 
Wondering why he would be sneaking into Hogwarts at one in the morning when he's supposed to be sick, Harry decides to go see what Crouch is up to and head towards Snape's office instead of his dormitory. On the way, distracted by his curiosity, Harry's leg sinks into a trick step, knocking him off balance and causing him to drop the egg. It bounces down the stairs, bursts open, and begins wailing. In all the chaos, Harry also loses his grip on the Marauder's map, which flutters down six stairs and out of reach. Harry manages to get himself completely covered with the cloak again, just before Filch appears, screaming, Peeves! The caretaker is sure that Peeves is the culprit, and when he finds the egg, he figures the poltergeist stole it from a champion. As he's looking for Peeves, Professor Snape shows up in a gray nightshirt, wondering what's going on. Filch tells him that Peeves threw the egg down the stairs, and Snape softly declares that Peeves couldn't get into his office. Filch is confused, thinking that's where the egg was, and the two bicker about someone breaking into Snape's office. Snape is insisting that Filch needs to go with him to help him investigate, and Filch is resisting since he really wants to get Peeves expelled once and for all. While they argue, a clunk, clunk, clunk announces the arrival of Professor Moody, who wants to know what's going on. Filch begins to explain about the noises, and when he mentions someone broke into Snape's office, the potion master tells him to shut up. Moody is very interested in who did that, and Snape coldly tries to say it isn't important. The two men reluctantly discuss who could have done it, and why, and end up arguing about how Moody searched Snape's office himself. Moody says that Dumbledore told him to, and Snape insists that Dumbledore trusts him. Moody points out that the headmaster believes in second chances, but says there are some spots that don't come off. Oddly, in response, Snape grabs his left forearm as if someone hurt him, and Moody laughs and tells him to get back to bed. Snape hisses back that he doesn't have the authority to send him anywhere, and he has just as much right to prowl the school after dark as he does. Moody menacingly tells him to prowl away, and then points out that he dropped something. Harry is horrified to see that Moody is pointing to the Marauder's map, and throws caution to the wind, waving his arms around and mouthing that it's his. Moody waves his wand and says, Oxio Parchment, calmly explaining that it was his mistake, it's his, and he must have dropped it earlier. But Snape has already realized that the map and the egg must mean Potter is there in his invisibility cloak. He begins to walk up the stairs, reaching out for Harry, but is distracted by Moody, who insists that nothing is there, and mentions that he'll be happy to tell the headmaster just how quickly his mind jumped to Harry Potter, as he's very interested in who's got it out for the boy. Snape backtracks, saying that Potter has an unfortunate habit of wandering around after hours, and should be stopped for his own safety. Moody doesn't buy it, and Snape curtly announces that he's going to go back to bed. Moody says he thinks that's a good idea, and then asks Filch for the egg. The caretaker is reluctant to give it up, as it's evidence of Peeves' treachery, but Moody insists. Filch and Snape both leave, and Harry is left looking down at Moody, who begins to climb the stairs towards him, telling him that was a close shave. Harry weakly thanks him, and the professor takes the map out of his pocket, asking what it is. As he looks at it, he's surprised and declares it to be some map. Harry calls it quite useful and then asks for help getting him out of the step. Distracted, Moody realizes Harry is stuck and helps him out, still looking at the map. 
He asks Harry if he by chance saw who broke into Snape's office and is alarmed to learn that Harry saw it was Mr. Crouch. He looks over the map and says that he isn't there anymore, commenting on how interesting that is. Harry wonders why Crouch would want to look around Snape's office, and Moody stares at him before deciding to say that his obsession with catching dark wizards is nothing compared to Barty Crouch. Wanting to know more, Harry asks if maybe Mr. Crouch thinks something is going on because of all of the odd stuff that has been happening, like the dark mark at the World Cup and the Death Eaters and whatnot. Moody is impressed and says it's possible that Crouch could be thinking along those lines, as there have been a lot of funny rumors flying around lately. He then mutters to himself that if there's one thing he hates, it's a Death Eater who walked free. Harry stares, wondering if Moody means what he thinks he means. His thoughts are interrupted when Moody asks him if he can borrow the Marauder's map, and though he's reluctant to part with it, he's relieved that Moody isn't asking where he got it and feels as though he owes him this favor. He agrees, and a pleased Moody tells Harry to head off to bed. They walk up the stairs in silence, and when they reach Moody's office, he asks Harry if he's ever considered a career as an Auror. Harry says no, and Moody tells him to consider it, then says that he guesses he wasn't just taking the egg for a walk tonight. Harry tells him that he's been working out the clue, and Moody winks, saying nothing like a nighttime stroll to give you ideas before heading into his office, again staring at the map. He closes the door and Harry heads back to Gryffindor Tower, lost in his own thoughts about Snape, Crouch, and the idea of becoming an Auror. The latter is a very interesting idea to Harry, though as he climbs into bed, he thinks he might want to see how scarred the rest of them are before choosing it as a career. The movie section starts out with a transition shot of colored water pouring from dozens of taps. The camera zooms in, then cuts to Harry removing his cloak while already in a giant tub filled with bubbly water. He sets it on the floor next to his golden egg and lowers himself the rest of the way into the water. The camera again cuts, this time to a moving stained glass window, depicting a mermaid sitting on a rock, before going back to Harry. He is now sitting in the bath and turns to look at the egg. As the shot focuses on the egg, Harry declares that he must be out of his mind. He reaches for the egg and releases the latch, once again opening the egg and filling the space with the horrible screeching sound. Cringing, he quickly closes it back up and reiterates that he is definitely out of his mind. A giggle sounds off screen and Harry turns, startled to find Moaning Myrtle hanging out in a nearby toilet. She recommends he try putting it in the water, and Harry is too busy trying to cover himself with bubbles to immediately respond to her suggestion. She flies out of the toilet and hovers next to the stained glass mermaid above the large tub, informing Harry that she was circling a blocked drain and swears she saw a bit of polyjuice potion. She mimics the mermaid playing with her hair and wonders if he has been being a bad boy again. Harry is surprised to hear her mention polyjuice potion and says that he's kicked the habit. He starts to ask her about opening the egg in the water and she dives into the tub, then surfaces, pretending to cough up water before telling him that that's what the other handsome boy, Cedric, did. She moves closer and closer to Harry, who nervously grabs the egg and holds it in front of himself. She tells him to go on and open it, and Harry lowers the egg underwater before releasing the latch again. The egg lights up beneath the surface, and muffled singing can be heard. Harry hesitates, then submerges himself and hears, Come seek us where our voices sound 
we cannot sing above the ground. An hour long you'll have to look to recover what we took. As Myrtle also goes under the water and smiles at the egg. Harry releases his breath, blowing bubbles before surfacing and sputtering. He wipes his eyes as Myrtle again pretends to cough up water, too, and then sidles up to Harry. He asks her if there are merpeople in the Black Lake. She scoots closer to him and tells him very good, because it took Cedric ages to riddle it out, saying almost all the bubbles were gone. She looks pointedly towards Harry, who sweeps more bubbles over his lap and scoots away from her. In response, Myrtle gives a teasing growl, causing Harry to shift away quickly and cover himself with more bubbles. Myrtle begins to cackle and then move to be right next to him, so she can lean into his shoulder. Harry looks extremely uncomfortable and the camera cuts back to the stained glass mermaid as she continues to play with her hair. So, these two sections are fairly comparable at first. Yeah, except for how fucking creepy moaning Myrtle is in the movie. Well, yeah, we'll get to that. There's a few other things, too, but then the movie just decided that the second half of the chapter doesn't matter in the least. (laughs) Never mind the huge clue we are given during it. Right? The book starts out with Harry finally deciding to take a bath with his egg, per Cedric's cryptic clue. Harry doesn't know how long he'll need in the bath to figure the egg out, so he's like, fine, I'll take Cedric's other advice, too, and I'll use the prefix bathroom. Because so few people are allowed in there, he's less likely to be interrupted. Sure. To avoid being caught out of bed and out of bounds, by Filch, again, Harry plans very carefully. He and Ron plan for Ron to enter the common room at a specific time so that Harry can leave, hidden by his invisibility cloak and using the Marauder's Map to see if anyone else approaches the bathroom. It's so nice that he uses all of his things. Right? (laughs) He doesn't encounter anyone in the hallways, but it's awkward moving along under the cloak with the egg under one arm and the map held in his other hand. I imagine it would be. Yeah. Yeah, sure. He eventually reaches the statue of Boris the Bewildered, mutters pine fresh, and quickly slips through the cracked door. He locks it before pulling off the cloak and looking around. That's awfully smart of him. (laughs) Right? Kind of surprised it is Harry after all. He does have his moments. Mm Mm-hmm. Harry's first thought looking around is that this bathroom alone would make it worth becoming a prefect. White marble is everywhere, including what seems to be a giant pool sunk in the middle of the floor, surrounded by about a hundred gold taps with different colored jewels set in them. There are white linen curtains hanging from the windows, a large pile of fluffy towels in the corner, and a single painting on the wall of a mermaid fast asleep on a rock. This is Basically where the movie section picks up, with a transition shot of the coolest fucking day spot ever. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. There's like a shit ton of water faucets with different colored water that, I mean, I'm assuming all have different smells and aromatherapy uses and probably even like cures for different physical ailments. Yeah. Also, bubbles! Bubbles! I love a good bubble bath. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. We then see Harry removing his cloak while getting into this bubbly Olympic-sized swimming pool they call a bath. Seriously, though, are we supposed to just assume that this giant bath is just for one person at a time? Or are all the prefects bathing together like the Romans and the Brits in Somerset? Like, maybe. I mean... It doesn't even specify that it is the boys' prefect bathroom. It doesn't, no. So are there two separate prefects bathroom, or do they just, like schedule a time or do they all just bathe together like 
Hogwarts wants him to bang, right? Probably. I'm just saying. I mean, they got a whole bunch of carriages for the Yule Ball, so they had a place to go. Exactly. I would feel remiss if I didn't point out the fact that Hogwarts just kind of plays into teenage hormones. Just saying. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But you know what? It also seems super wasteful for just one person to use all that water just for themselves. I mean, I know Scotland is like a pretty damp part of the world, but at what point does this just seem like overkill or abuse of power even? Like, damn, guys, save some H2O for the rest of us. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. One single person in a giant, uneconomical tub. The water bill must be astronomical. (laughs) Also, it is the coolest fucking day spa ever. But it's not how I imagined it from the book, which described all of the white marble and mm-hmm. white curtains and white towels and one gold-framed painting. Yeah, this was all stone yeah. and a big stained glass window. Yeah, it was different, but... I mean, it wasn't bad. It still looked cool. It still had the Hogwarts aesthetic going on. Yeah, it definitely fit in with what they had of the castle more so than this description. Mm-hmm. But it still wasn't what I imagined. Yeah. As usual, in the book, we get more of Harry's inner monologue. Harry feels like he may have even been put on by Cedric, and he wonders how this is supposed to help him solve the egg. But he still takes a towel, the map, and the egg to the edge of the poolside bath and starts to turn on some of the taps. I do feel like there's probably, like, some weird porn that starts out that way. (laughs) I actually don't want to think about it. Neither do I. Moving on. Each tap dispenses a different type of bubble bath mixed with water, but not like any bubble bath Harry has ever seen. Giant pink and blue bubbles, thick white foam, and one that left heavily scented clouds floating above the water. That would just make me sick. It depends on what it's scented like. Yeah, I guess. Harry plays with the different taps until the bath is full, which happens rather quickly for its size. So this is also a little different than how the movie had it, because they had that colored water, and there were bubbles, but the bubbles weren't, like, pouring out of the tap. Yeah. Which is what I imagined. Like, I imagined him turning on a tap and just this white foam coming out of it. Yeah. Or, like, the giant... And that could have been so magical. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bummed. It wasn't, like, mountains of bubbles. Right. Like, there were bubbles, and they were fun, but... It wasn't like crazy bubbles like I would have expected. Yeah, but it was still neat. Mm -hmm. He undresses and slides into the water, and he finds it to be much deeper than he expected. He can barely touch the bottom and even swims a few lengths before going back to stare at the egg. He does not swim in the movie. He just sits down in the water. I mean, that might be what I would do, so yeah. We see the moving stained glass window depicting a mermaid sitting on a rock who turns and looks at Harry, now sitting in the bath. Harry turns to look at the egg and declares himself to be batshit crazy because the last thing he wants to do is sit in this bath smack dab in the center of the prime acoustics that are going on here and open this vociferous mind boggler. But hey, the talking out loud gets us some of his inner monologue, so that's fun. Sure. I also think it's interesting that they decided to make the mermaid a stained glass window rather than a painting. That's kind of neat, I thought. Yeah, it's just interesting change. Because they showed a stained glass window once before and that one wasn't moving. That is true. Maybe that's why they did it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you can't have a boring prefect's bathroom. I mean, it had a swimming pool. I don't think it was. There was no diving board, like the book said, though. Not that I saw. Yeah, we're a little bilked out of a diving board. Yeah. Although, who's diving into a bath? I would. I totally would. 
again, this goes back to, are there other people in the bath with you? If I'm by myself, I might dive in. Well, I don't know how to dive. I might jump in off the diving board. There you go. (laughs) Anyway, in the movie, he reaches for the egg and releases the latch and immediately regrets every life choice that he's made that led him to this exact moment when the egg opens and releases a noise that has melted lesser men's faces. He scrunches his face, like he does, closes the egg as quickly as he can, and curses the day he was born as he confirms that he is, in fact, batshit crazy. Which is similar to the book. No stroke of genius comes to him, so he picks up the egg and opens it. Mm -hmm. The same screeching wail is heard echoing off the marble walls. He quickly shuts it again, worried someone could have heard the noise and wondering if it was actually Cedric's plan to have Filch catch him. Ooh, that would be pretty sneaky. Yeah. Hmm. But Cedric's a Hufflepuff. It seems unlikely. Mm -hmm. I think Harry just really wants to think badly of Cedric right now. Well, yeah, there's that. At the same time, Harry is startled into dropping the egg by moaning Myrtle telling him he should put the egg in the water. He sputters and shouts at her that he's not wearing anything, even though the foam on the water is so thick it doesn't really matter. And as I mentioned before, the movie creepified Myrtle. Uh Uh-huh. Hard. (laughs) We hear a creepy-ass echoey giggle from somewhere in the bathroom, and Harry very nearly shits himself, turning around quickly to see none other than creepy-ass moaning Myrtle hanging out in the toilet. Like Like she she does. does. She tells Harry to try putting it in the water, as Harry desperately tries to cover himself with bubbles, not realizing that moaning Myrtle is a goddamn ghost, and bubbles ain't gonna stop her from sneaking some peeks. Nice try, though, kid. Yeah, definitely creepified. Mm-hmm. Book Myrtle says her eyes were closed when he got in, but Harry thinks she was probably spying from one of the taps the whole time. So at least she isn't blatantly being a creeper. Yeah, I guess there's that. Subtle creeper. Mm-hmm. Not like movie Myrtle. Not at all. She flies all ghost-like out of the toilet and hovers near the stained glass mermaid, mimicking the grooming sea creature telling Harry that she was, you know, not being creepy at all and spending her time around blocked drains, where she saw some polyjuice potion the other day. She then asks Harry if he was being a bad boy again. But secretly, we all know she was hoping he was, because she's got a thing for the bad boys. I mean, who doesn't? Right? Creepy Myrtle definitely does. (laughs) Sassy Harry makes a quick appearance and tells her that, oh no, he's kicked the habit. He then asked her what she was saying about putting the egg in the water. So she takes this opportunity to ramp up the creepiness quite a bit and just dives right into the fucking pool. I mean bath. Completely negating Harry's attempts to cover his bits with bubbles. She emerges pretending to cough and sputter, telling him that that's what the other boy did. You know... The one that's just like you, only more handsome and better at most things. And then she somehow says Cedric's name in the most unappealing way humanly possible. To the point where it literally made Arpats less attractive as she was saying it. I'm not sure how that's even possible, but she fucking did it. Yeah, it was like Cedric. It was weird. It's like, what are you doing? doing myrtle there was so much weird about this scene oh cringe but none of it was included in the book thank god though i will say that including the comment about seeing some polyjuice potion was actually a nice little addition of foreshadowing 
Yeah. Since they didn't use, like, any of the clues directly from the book. I mean, why do that when you can just have creepy Myrtle say weird shit? Right? Not that they were in this section anyways, though. Myrtle just says that he hasn't come to see her in ages, and he says that he isn't supposed to go in the girl's bathroom. She grumbles that he didn't care before, and he tells her a half-truth about getting in trouble for being in there, which... I mean, Percy did yell at him for going in the girl's bathroom, so it wasn't completely a lie, but that is not why he hasn't gone back. Again, half-truth. Yeah. However, it does seem to mollify Myrtle, and she tells him again to try putting the egg underwater like Cedric Diggory did. Harry asks if Myrtle sneaks up in the evenings to spy on the prefix bathing, and she says she does sometimes, but she's never come out to talk to any of them before. Okay, now we're getting a little creepy. A little creepy. A little creepy. Harry sarcastically says that he's honored and tells her to keep her eyes shut. When he's sure that her eyes are covered, he quickly retrieves the egg and gets back in the water. She peers through her fingers and tells him to open the egg underwater, which he does. There's no wailing this time, but a song that he couldn't understand the words to through the water. Enjoying bossing Harry around, Myrtle tells him to put his head underwater too. Once he does... He hears a chorus of voices singing from the egg. So this is again similar, but movie Myrtle does not cover her eyes. No. Not even a bit. She actually slinks and glides closer and closer to Harry, somehow using my own personal patented seduction moves, but like way better as he nervously grabs the egg and holds it in front of himself. She tells him to go on and open it, Egging him on, as it were. (laughs) You crack me up. (laughs) Son of a bitch. I think that was a really good yoke. What are you talking about? Damn it. Moving on. I'm gonna let you keep going. Fuck you. That's uncalled for. (laughs) Uncalled for. Because at first I think my ears are going crazy. And then they're not. And you're just being a dick. At first I wasn't going to do it. But then I decided I'm gonna whisk it. Motherfucker. I make one fucking pun. Open the carton of eggs. (laughs) Moving on. Harry lowers his banshee-possessed puzzle under the water before releasing the latch again. The egg lights up beneath the surface and muffled singing can be heard. Harry hesitates, giving Myrtle a wary glare, then dips under the water where he hears a lovely voice singing. Come seek us where our voices sound. We cannot sing above the ground. An hour long you'll have to look to recover what we took. At this point, Myrtle also goes under the water as well and smiles at the egg. But mm, let's be honest, she was really smiling at what was on the other side of the egg, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Completely does not cover her eyes. Mm -mm, Not even a little bit. Also, the movie version of the song is shortened from the whole book version, which is Come Seek Us Where Our Voices Sound. We Cannot Sing Above the Ground. And while you're searching, ponder this. We've taken what you'll sorely miss. An hour long you'll have to look and to recover what we took. But past an hour, the prospect's black. Too late, it's gone. It won't come back. So yeah, they shortened it, which, I mean, it's still got the gist across what you needed. Yeah. He listens three more times before he has the song memorized, and he tries to puzzle out the meaning while talking to Myrtle. She says he's slow, but that it took Cedric ages and ages to work it out until almost all of the bubbles had gone. Harry figures out that it must be a creature that lives underwater and asks Myrtle if any creatures besides the giant squid live in the lake. It's a magical school with a fucking magical lake. You think the only thing that's going to be in there is a squid? I mean, I would imagine there'd be fish too, but... That's what I'm saying. 
Okay, Harry, whatever. Or maybe the giant squid has a really nice voice, Harry. Jesus. Maybe. Damn. Judgy. She tells him there are all sorts and that she sometimes goes there when someone flushes her toilet unexpectedly. Harry tries not to imagine this. And looking around the bathroom, he sees the painting of the mermaid again and asks Myrtle if there are mer people in the lake. I still don't want to imagine that. It's pretty shitty. Oh my god. The movie does not have him listen to it multiple times, but it is shorter, so why should he have to? After one listen, instead of just resurfacing and lifting his head up above water, he decides to blow out all his air while he's still under the water so that he comes up spluttering and coughing. Kid, you weren't at the bottom of the Atlantic. You were in a bath. Sit up. Then breathe. Not that hard, guy. (laughs) Apparently it is. Jesus. Also, I have to think that all that weird-ass colored water in that bath must have contained some kind of weird-ass chemicals or magic. Like, maybe he didn't need to open his damn eyes under the water. Just saying. That probably had a good sting to it. Probably. Mm Mm-hmm. He continues wiping all the possible carcinogens out of his eyes as Myrtle once more pretends to cough up water too as she again infiltrates his personal space. We see the light bulb click on over his head as he asks if there are people in the Black Lake. So that is again similar to the book. Mm-hmm. Catches on a little bit quicker. Yeah. Myrtle excitedly says very good and that it took Diggory much longer even with the mermaid in the painting giggling and flashing her fins. I bet that's what she was flashing. At first, Harry is delighted that he has figured out what the second task is going to be until he begins to worry about not being a strong swimmer. He then asks Myrtle how he's supposed to breathe, which sets her off crying and saying that he's tactless. Myrtle just wants to moan. Yeah, that's all I'm getting from that. Harry wants to know how this is tactless, and she says that she can't breathe, she hasn't in ages. He tries to apologize, and she goes off about how nobody cared when she was alive, and nobody cares now that she's dead, and Harry doesn't care because he's not paying attention to her, because he's thinking about the song again. I mean... (laughs) Kind of just proved her point, but (laughs) at the same time, I don't blame him. In the movie, Myrtle is not offended. She's doing the offending. She uses this opportunity to get even closer as she scoots towards him and tells him very good because dumbass Diggory took for fucking ever to figure that shit out. Feigning sadness, she tells him almost all the bubbles were gone. Even though we know that they're really just a worn and tattered security blanket for him at this point. Because she can just go right under the water. Stupid. Nevertheless, Harry sweeps more bubbles towards him while she waggles her eyebrows and growls at him in what might be considered in some places enticing, but everywhere else it's just cringy. Like, really cringy. I'm not sure what places would call it enticing. I mean... Some people juggle geese. Some people juggle geese? It's a Firefly reference. Oh. Hmm. Some people juggle geese. Some do. Harry shifts away quickly and covers himself with more bubbles, but I really don't understand why. Because again, we've already established that the bubbles only block her view if she is above the water, and she's definitely already gotten a look at that boy's sorcerer's stones. (laughs) In the book, she is way less creepy. Mm Mm-hmm. She's just going on about how no one cared about her, and Harry just gives her a vague response before asking her to close her eyes again so he can get out. And she closes her eyes. Because she's considerate. 
Yeah, there's mostly minimal of the maybe molesting Moaning Myrtle. Oh no, make no mistake. Movie Moaning Myrtle merely magnifies the molesting and begins to cackle as she moves to be right next to him so she can lean into his shoulder like a prom date that just can't take a hint. Harry looks as extremely uncomfortable as the audience currently feels. Meanwhile, the stained glass mermaid continues to play with her hair. And this is where the movie scene ends, kind of thank God. Uh, I'm a little disappointed that all this next stuff was left out. However, I couldn't have watched any more of that Myrtle shit. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, that was way too much of it as it was. Woof. (laughs) But as per usual, the book chapter continues on. Harry gets his egg, dries off, and dresses, again picking up his invisibility cloak, and he thanks Myrtle for her help before putting on the cloak and leaving the bathroom. That was considerate of him. Right, that's something, at least. Mm -hmm. Harry checks the Marauder's map in the corridor and sees that Filch and Mrs. Norris are in their office. He sees Peeves bouncing around the trophy room and a moment later notices a dot marked Bartemius Crouch moving around Snape's office. What? Harry knows that Mr. Crouch is supposed to be quite ill and wonders what he's doing sneaking around Hogwarts in the middle of the night. So instead of going back to his dormitory, <laughs> meddlers unite and Harry decided to see what Crouch is up to. Of course he did. How does he not? How do you pass that up? He can't. He can't. He can't. He just can't. Somehow the movie can, though. Well, yeah. Because they don't even include it. The movie can do a lot of things. Doesn't mean it should, <laughs> but it can. And it did. It Ugh. did. I'm so disappointed that they left it out because it's such a huge fucking clue. Right? I know. Ugh. We'll talk more about this later, but ugh. Don't worry, we got the dream sequences in the movie. And a 70-hour-long dragon chase. Yeah. Woohoo! Woo! Anyway, Harry is distracted along the way, and he gets stuck in the trick step that Neville always forgets to jump. Don't meddle and walk trick steps, I guess. I guess, or at least remember where they fucking are. Yeah. He wobbles and drops the egg, failing to catch it before it clanks loudly down the stairs. His cloak slips, and when he tries to grab it, he drops the Marauder's Map out of reach. The egg opens when it hits the bottom of the staircase and bursts open, wailing loudly in the corridor. Boy, this boy is just a comedy error, isn't he? Right? Jesus. This would have been an amazing slapstick scene, too. I can't mm-hmm. believe they were like, yeah, we don't need it. Nah, it's fine. We got a 70-minute dragon chase. We don't need plot and funniness. No. Harry manages to get himself covered just before he hears Filch yell, Peeves! <laughs> and the caretaker is sure that he's going to catch Peeves this time. He's going to get him expelled. And he stops to pick up and close the egg and realizes, oh, this belongs to a school champion. And you'd think the logical thing then would be Go find a champion's out of bed. No, it's Peeves, you've been stealing. <laughs> I mean, it's always nice to have a scapegoat, I guess. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Harry begins to panic as Filch starts climbing the stairs when Professor Snape turns up and wants to know what's going on. Filch tells Snape that Peeves threw the egg down the stairs and Snape's like, Peeves couldn't have gotten into my office. It's a weird jump there. It is. 
Because then Filch is like, the egg was in your office? Yeah. Why is there an egg in your office? Snape's like, no, the egg wasn't in my office. Somebody broke into my office. And the two end up going back and forth for a while, not really listening to what the other's talking about. A little bit of who's on first in that, isn't there? Right? It would have been funny. Yeah. Snape tells Filch to come with him to look for the intruder, but Filch tries to tell him that this is his chance to finally have Peeves thrown out of the castle. I mean, obviously he succeeded in the movies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's what happened to him. Well, yeah, obviously. But I'm wondering, Peeves never denies doing the things that he does. So why is Filch like, I caught him this time? Like, all you have to do is ask him, no? Right. I don't know. I don't get this, but whatever. I think he's just desperate because Peeves ain't going nowhere. I guess. (laughs) So Filch and Snape are arguing, and in the middle of that, they hear a clunk, 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 before Moody appears and looks over the men on the stairs like, oh, pajama party, huh? (laughs) That's my first thought. (laughs) Filch tells him that Peeves has been throwing things, and someone broke into Snape's office, and Snape's just like, dude, shut up! And this leads to another argument, this time between Moody and Snape, talking about the importance of his office being broken into. Who could have done it? Why? And Snape's like, you've already thoroughly searched my office. You know I have nothing to hide. Mm -hmm. And Moody tries to tell him that Dumbledore told him to keep an eye on. And Snape's like, fuck you. Dumbledore trusts me. And Moody's like, well, Dumbledore's very trusting, but there are some spots that never come off. Wink, wink. And Snape reacts by grabbing his left forearm as if something there hurts him. Hmm. I wonder what it could be. Intrigue. Moody laughs at this and tells him to get back to bed. Snape says that he has as much right as he does to prowl the school after dark. And Moody's like, fine, prowl away. I like that they just call it prowling. Right. He also says he hopes to meet Snape in a dark corridor sometime and then notices the map and says, hey, you dropped something. Mm. And Harry's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. So he decides to take a risk and just waves his arms under the cloak, mouthing, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. (laughs) Just before Snape is able to pick up the map, Moody pulls out his wand and uses Axio to retrieve the parchment. Well, isn't that lucky? Wonder where he got that idea. Hmm. Hmm. He says it was his mistake. He must have dropped it earlier. But Harry can see Snape connecting the dots. The egg and the map and the invisibility cloak. And he just goes, Potter. Potter. He says that Potter must be there under his invisibility cloak and begins reaching out to try to find Harry. I just want to see that scene of, I know, of Alan Rickman like, just like. Right? Yeah. Why was that not there? Moody insists that there's nothing there and says he'll be sure to tell Dumbledore just how quickly his mind jumped to Harry Potter. Snape's like, what do you mean by that? And Moody says the headmaster is keen to find out who has it in for that boy. We all know who has it in for him, so. We do? Yeah, Moaning Myrtle. (laughs) (laughs) No, she has it out for him. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Moving on. Snape pauses to calm himself and says that Harry has the bad habit of wandering around after hours and for his own safety, he should be stopped. Obviously. Moody sarcastically says that Snape has the boy's best interest at heart and Snape sharply says that he's going back to bed. I love this little bit of sass for Moody here too because he's just like, this is the best idea you've had all night. Mm -hmm. And then he turns to Filch to ask for the egg back. And Filch is just like, no, it's evidence. I'm going to get rid of Peeves. 
and it's shiny and shiny and he like just gets really niffler about it <laughs> but moody insists that it is the property of the champion it was stolen from snape leaves followed shortly by filch who does reluctantly give the egg to moody once both men are out of earshot professor moody tells harry that was a close shave potter and a haircut which is definitely what that boy needs everybody in this movie everybody <laughs> Moody pulls the map out and remarks that it's some map. Makes me think of some pig. (laughs) (laughs) Harry agrees that it's quite useful before asking the professor to help him up from the trick stair. Moody distractedly helps Harry, not taking his eyes off the map. He also wants to know if he happened to see who it was that broke into Snape's office and is suddenly alarmed when Harry says it was Mr. Crouch. wonder why he's so shocked. We're going to find out. We are. But not in the movie. No. No, we're not. we got to keep reading. But reading is hard. Fundamental. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Moody asks Harry if he was sure. And when Harry says that he's positive, Moody looks over the map again. He says he's not there anymore and that it's very very interesting it really is it's so interesting like it is intrigue Mm -hmm. why was this not included in the movie i want that to be our potter pondering i want to know what people think about this being left out dream sequence (laughs) (laughs) new all new all harry asks the professor why mr crouch would want to look around snape's office and moody hesitates for a moment before telling harry what he thinks He's like sizing him up. Like, how much information can I give you? Right. Or perhaps he was going, how do I word this lie? Because I'm not actually going to tell you the truth. (laughs) (laughs) He says that everyone says that Mad-Eye is obsessed with catching dark wizards, but he has nothing compared to Barty Crouch. Harry asks if Mr. Crouch think that there's something going on because of all of the odd stuff that's been happening. And Moody's like, what do you mean? And Harry's like, well, the Dark Mark and the Death Eaters at the World Cup. What? No, of course not. Those things are not related at all. Actually, he says that Harry's a sharp boy and that he thinks it's possible because there have been a lot of rumors going around, helped by Rita Skeeter, of course. Trash. He says people are getting nervous, then mutters to himself that there is nothing he hates more than a Death Eater who walked free. Hmm. Harry stares at him and wonders if that means what he thinks it means. I think that all depends on what Harry's thinking that means. Yeah, I think it depends on... I think we know what Harry thinks it means. Mm -hmm. However, it both means that and doesn't mean that. Right? That's why it's such a... Intrigue. It's such a pip of a scene, man. Uh Uh-huh. How do you leave this out? (laughs) Moody puts on a serious tone and asks Harry if he can borrow the map. Much to Harry's relief, because he'd been afraid that Moody was going to be like, where the fuck did you get this? Mm -hmm. But he figures he owes Moody a favor and agrees, even though he doesn't really want to part with it. Why would he? Moody says he can make good use of it and begins walking with Harry. On their way back, he asks Harry if he's ever thought about becoming an Auror. Harry's taken aback and says no, And Moody's like, you should consider it. Your mind works in the right way, dude. Hmm. 
he then says that Harry wasn't just taking the egg for a walk, right? And Harry's like, nope, I was working out the clue. <laughs> Moody winks at him and says there's nothing like a nighttime stroll to give you good ideas. Then he goes back into his office, again staring at the map. Could dude's obsessed. He's very much obsessed. Mm-hmm. Harry thinks about Snape and Crouch and what it all means on his way back to Gryffindor Tower. He also thinks that Moody's idea of him becoming an Auror is interesting, though he would like to see how scarred the other Aurors are before he chooses it for his career. You know, that's fair. Uh, yeah. Harry's already got the one big scar, so... And look at the attention that gets him. Right? <laughs> but this is where the book chapter ends. And we do actually have a new or returning actor to talk about, since this is the first time we get to see the molesty moaning Myrtle in this film, mm -hmm. played by Shirley Henderson. Oh, so creepy. So cringe. I figured that's what they were going for. It's very obvious that that's what they were aiming for, but I just can't for the life of me figure out why. It was not a good choice. No. And it was extra creepy considering how old Shirley was. Yeah, she's compared in her... to Daniel. He's what, 15, 16, and she's 35 at yeah. this point? The whole thing was just super awkward. So cringe. It's it, such a cringe scene. But that being said, me. she is phenomenal. I have to agree. Yeah. Cringiness aside, because like every other thing that I hate about this movie, I'm going to say the same thing about this. No! But I like to think that she was directed that way. Yeah. As opposed to that was her character choice. But I, just, I love her. And yeah, she was 35, but she does... She has the perfect voice. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't really tell her age, so that wasn't really fully a cringe factor. It's just being aware of it. You're like, okay, yeah, that adds to it. Yeah. It's just her persona is so different from how she's described in the book mm -hmm. that it's jarring. Yeah. I can see why she was cast as Myrtle mm -hmm. because she had to retain the same face. For a number of years. Whereas if they would have picked someone who was younger when Chamber was filmed, they would have grown up right. in the span of time it took to make the, the other movies. So I understand them using an older actress. And she did have an excellent wailing voice. She did. It was really perfect. And I, I love her cackle. She just didn't come across mopey enough, in my opinion. No. Not in this, definitely. And again, I think you're right that that was more of a director's choice. Mm-hmm. Than an actor's choice. Yeah. Because I do love her. Oh, yeah. I think she's phenomenal. She's so great. I just didn't think she was the Myrtle I imagined. Yeah. I would have loved to see her do more of a mopey moaning mm -hmm. Myrtle than a creepily seductive moaning Myrtle. Well, the Myrtle that she was in Chamber. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, that's... I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. I will take that Myrtle. And we didn't get any aspect of that yeah she just got super flirty with harry mm -hmm. and it didn't really fit for me no had that been how it happened in the book i probably would have thought that it was perfect mm -hmm. so new all <laughs> yes exactly again we don't hold that against shirley because no. she's fantastic and i love her yep but that'll bring us to our potter pondering which is, what are your thoughts about how the movie leaves out the part where Harry sees Bartimius Crouch in Snape's office 
and nearly gets caught out of bed by Filch and Snape. Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. We really look forward to hearing them and reading them. And now for our Sorting Hat story, which is from Anna Kilpatrick. She writes, I'm a Slytherin. My wand is beech wood and phoenix feather unyielding. My Patronus is a Tonkinese cat. This is actually a really cute story. There used to be an old little bookshop near my parents' house that I used to go to every day after school, and the old lady that owned it would recommend books to me all the time. When I turned 11, she recommended Harry Potter to me, saying I'm now old enough for my journey to Hogwarts. This was before Harry Potter was internationally hyped, so not a lot of people knew about it yet. I also have the Deathly Hallows tattooed on my ankle, my cat's name is Hermione, and my son was named after Bill, William Weasley. That's so cute. Thank you for sharing your cute sorting hat story with us, Anna. Yes, thank you so much. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your sorting hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media. Yep. And now for the trivia question. When Harry falls asleep in the library the night before the second task, what does he dream the people took from him? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word, hashtag, come and get it, will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 26, the second task, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just, just keep, keep rolling. rolling.